What is faith? You know, faith isn't saying, okay, well, if you go out there and you do this, and here's the plan, and this is how it's going to work out. That's not faith. Faith is going out there and saying, man, I have no idea what's going to happen other than the fact that God's going to show up and he's going to prevail. And I'm going to do it because God's called me to do it. That's what faith is. Faith is being a little shaky because it takes a little bit of courage to go out there and do it. But it's saying, hey, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to admit that I'm a little... Uh, Yeah, it's not me. I can't do it in my own flesh. David didn't know exactly how his face-off with Goliath was going to go down. He was human, he couldn't see the future, and he didn't possess any supernatural powers or abilities. What he did possess was faith. He had been told of his God's faithfulness and provision. He knew the ways that God had delivered his people in the past, and that he had promised to protect and provide for them. As Pastor Mark reminds us in today's message, God's promises are just as good for us. We don't know what may happen or how God will come through, but we can have absolute confidence that he will. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17 with today's edition of Come Alive. David also looks back and he remembers something, and we're going to see that here in verse 33, because when, or in verse 34, where David talks about, well, you know, I'm not worried about this because I've beat up a lion and a bear. You won't have to ask me to do something and not meet me there. See, God doesn't ask you to do something and not meet you there. And so we have to be able to say, well, you're not going to ask me to do something and not meet me there. Because according to your word, and you not being a liar, and you being true and truthful, you're going to promise something to me. You're going to keep that promise, and so it's going to happen. And so he says, you're you're not going to ask me to do something and not meet me there. But sometimes we tend to think that way, that God's going to ask us to do something, and he's not going to fulfill it. He's going to put that desire in your heart, and it won't happen. But he will put it in your heart. He will make it happen if it's according to his will. And so we tend to think that way. As if God will abandon you in the calling as you're faithfully serving. He doesn't abandon us. Never. Sometimes he might be silent. He might be telling us to wait. And we're trying to run ahead. Anybody have children that do that? Get so excited about doing it. And they might miss the most fun thing about the whole thing. Because they see the big bright shiny. And they run over to it. You know it's like. Being all excited about going to Chuck E. Cheese and then Chuck E. shows up and the kid's like wet in his pants, screaming and crying. And it's like, it's no fun, Dad. It's no fun. Well, yeah, it's a nine-foot rat. But the games are fun. The thought of it's fun. But if you just stay close to me, buddy, I won't let that nine-foot rat get you. I won't let him eat your cheese pizza. And so we tend to do that. We think that God's going to abandon us in the calling as we're faithfully serving. So we heard John's testimony last week. He was called. He had a purpose. God gave him a promise, and he had prevailed, right? Hey, there's no money, but God's telling me to go to China. I've never been to China. I don't speak Chinese, but hey, we're gonna, I'm going anyway. And so you hear an awesome testimony, and so that is for us. 
you know, to hear that. Not maybe for all of us are called to go to China, but for us to be able to like, man, God worked in his life. What's different about me? Why won't he work in my life? Well, because somebody's banking on a promise. Are you banking on a promise? So he prevails. And sometimes it happens at a moment when you least expect it. You might be at work. God knocks on your heart or at the grocery store or at the park or just anywhere. And God says, hey, that person needs to hear the gospel. And I want you to give opportunity to let that person hear the gospel. And I want you to glorify me in that. And so go ahead and glorify me and exalt me. And, you know, you might sit there and be like, I don't know, man. I'm not very fluent. I'm not, I'm not a preacher or, as Jim said, a reverend. You know, we were kind of joking about that. I said, yeah, next time he says I'm a reverend, I'm going to show up in a bathrobe and house shoes, you know. So different robe, but same thing. But, you know, you might be thinking that, that I, I don't know that much. But you do know. You know something that nobody else knows. You know your story. And can anybody refute your story? Can you tell me how you got saved and for me to be all like, dude, that's no way. That didn't happen. You're not saved. It can't happen that way. It doesn't happen that way. You can tell them your story. God gives you an opportunity, and he's not going to abandon you. And guess what? Here's what I always think. Every time I hear that and I start to wrestle with it, it's like, and it may be this person's last chance to ever hear the gospel. And the, way, the reason I think about that is, and it's a story you guys have heard before, but I'm going to tell it again, is me and a buddy one time went in Albuquerque, and he woke up late at night, and he goes, hey, man, you want to go with me? Go with you where? It's 2 o'clock in the morning. I don't know. I feel like the Lord's calling me to go somewhere, and I, I, I think I should take you. Okay, cool. I'll go. What's he calling us to do? And he's like, I don't know, man. And so we drive up, and we, I mean, we're driving far for Albuquerque standards, 20 minutes, and we drive up to the top of this road called Tramway, and there's a Circle K. And I'm thinking, oh, dear, we're going to rob this place. And so he's like, let's go in there. And so we go in there, and I go, what are we supposed to do here? He goes, I don't know, man. I'm just waiting on the Lord. The Lord told me to come, and this is where I feel like he's led me to. So we're kind of checking out the motocross magazines, and we're hanging out. And the guy behind the counter starts talking to my buddy, and my buddy starts talking back to him. Next thing you know, the guy gets saved. I'm like, whoa, that was amazing. He's like, man, we did what the Lord said to do. And I was so stoked. I was a brand new Christian. I was really kind of like, wow, that's awesome. And so the next night he goes, you know what? Tomorrow, let's go up there and see that guy. And we're like, okay, cool. His name was Abib. And we decide to go up there. And we go up there the next night. And we walk in and he's not there. And my buddy's like, hey, I thought Abib was going to work. And he's like, yeah, you know, he was supposed to work. But last night he got killed in a robbery. But guess what? The guy went to heaven. Just because God knocked on somebody's heart. And he said, yeah, I'll go do it. It's as simple as that. There are other stories like that where there was a marriage that was about to be ruined. This guy was about to cheat on his wife. Same buddy. He goes, hey, you want to go with me? And I'm like, dude, I'm going with you wherever you go. It's amazing. And so we go in there, and he goes, yeah, there's a guy's car. And I'm like, how do you know? And he goes, man, the Lord just told me. I was like, man, this is all a plant. This is crazy. We go into this little restaurant that's kind of a bar. People are hanging out. He walks up. He goes, I think that's the guy. He walks over and goes, hey, is your name so-and-so? And the guy goes, yeah. He goes, hey, man, the Lord's got a message for you. And the guy just starts looking at him. And the girl that he's flirting with is looking at us. And I'm just kind of sitting there, and I don't know what to do. And so I'm like, I'll pray. So I start praying. So my buddy starts telling him, hey, the Lord has a lot more planned for you than than anything in the world. And he's got all these problems. Starts just going off. I didn't hear everything. And the guy comes outside with us. He's crying. He goes, man, he goes, this is the first time I was flirting with that girl. I was about to cheat on my wife. 
And he went home, and from what I heard from my buddy who was telling me about this guy and his story, that he and his wife now lead a, a, a marriage ministry at a church. Uh, and, and the Lord rescues. It's the promises of the Lord. Does he, does he break his promises? You know, God tells us, you know, I have a plan for their life. Just tell them God has a plan for their life. That's all you got to do. Is just walk up to somebody and go, hey, man, do you know God has a plan for your life? And you'd be like, dude, do you know how weird you would look if you did that? Well, yeah, but do you know how horrible it would be for the guy at the Circle K to not have had an opportunity to go to heaven because somebody was disobedient? Well, yeah, Mark, but God could have used anybody. He could have, but it wouldn't have pushed me the way it's pushed me to do stuff. Maybe it was just for me. Maybe it was for that guy to get to heaven. Maybe it was for both of us or all three of us. Who knows who it was for, but God has a great plan. And you might say, oh, Lord, seriously, don't do that. I don't, I don't want them to think I'm weird or one of those. And God says, come on, aren't you my servant? And you're like, oh, oh, well, what if I look dumb? He's like, well, that's not my fault. No, he doesn't say that. He said, you know, I, and I can tell you, I must confess as just, just being in front of you and as your friend and as your pastor that, you know, there have been those times when it was me. I'm all like, man, God's got a plan for your life. And they're just all like, shut up and walk away. And you're like, Lord, that didn't work out. What about your promises? Because I did it in my flesh. But there are those times that now that I I understand and how to have my quiet times and how to listen to the Lord and that I sometimes still think, I mean, I'm going to look weird, but I know. I know when it's the Lord and he's telling me to do it. And when I do it, man, there have been more times when it wasn't me and it's awesome. When it's really the Lord and he prevails and he does what he says he's going to do. And that person's sitting there and they got tears in their eyes. And they're like, wow, you know, how'd you know? It's like, I didn't know. I didn't know. The Lord knew. But when was the last time you asked God for that divine appointment as a Christian? When, when was it that you moved yourself out of the way and said, hey, it's not about me. It's about the, the renewal and the redeeming and the saving of the world. How can, how can I play that part? So you're called to just be obedient. You, you may not see anything happen right away. You might just be called to be the guy that plants the seed. Many times I've just planted a seed. Other times I've got to see the fruit. There have been many times where other people have probably witnessed to this person over and over again because when you get to know the person that says yes to the Lord and says, yes, I want to be saved, and you pray with them and you kind of lead them in the little sinner's prayer, and they say, man, you know, for years people have been telling me about Jesus. And it's like, man, the Lord's blessed me to allow me to see the fruit fall off that tree finally. Because somebody's told them, somebody's watered, and then somebody comes along and says, hey, I'm going to pick that fruit. It's ripe now. The Lord told me. So, you know, that, that enemy, when you, when you do what God calls you to do, the enemy's going to have a response. He doesn't like that you're actually doing what you're supposed to do. I mean, think about it. He doesn't, want, he doesn't want that person to get saved. He doesn't even want you doing what you're supposed to do. So he's going to do everything he can. He's got a response. Look at verse 33. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. See, in today's language, Saul would be saying, David, dude, I love your zeal. I love your devotion. I mean, this is good. It's all good. But battles, battles aren't won on good intentions, bro. Battles are won with experience and really good weapons. And, you know, David, you really encourage me. Man, I, I want to get out there and do it. And David's probably thinking, well, bro, you're supposed to be the one out there doing it. You're the king. But you're not. So I'm, will, I'm here. I'm willing to do it. And so Saul's so saying, but you're just a boy. Goliath is an experienced killer. 
He knows what he's, he's probably already got a plan to tear whoever goes down there apart. He already knows what's going on. He's intentional. David, you can't go out there and do this. What Saul said here is very true. David, you can't do this. There's no way. Physically, there's no way. You don't even have armor. It's very true what Saul says. But David in his flesh cannot go out and prevail against this guy. You and me in our flesh cannot go out and prevail against the enemy. So if Saul sees this and we tend to agree to this, what makes David think he can do it? Look at verse 34. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of that flock, well, I went out after it. I struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. Verse 36, your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine, notice he doesn't even use Goliath's name. He just calls him an uncircumcised Philistine. Well, Be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. He's probably like, bro, this guy, he's got it going on. I guess we're not going to stop this little dude. So you know what? Go ahead. Your blood's not on my hands. May the Lord be with you. And imagine being David. David was strengthened by his past experience with God. Saul, this is not the first time. You know, in Texas, we'd say, hey, bro, this ain't my first rodeo. That's what David's saying. This ain't my first rodeo. I've killed a bear and a lion. And so Jesus did battle with the enemy prior to, uh, you know, you think about Jesus. He did battle with the enemy prior to the battle on the cross. When did he do that? Remember in the wilderness. It was a war of words. It was in the wilderness. Satan was defeated there. Jesus defeated Satan with a simple statement. It is written. It is written. How how do we defeat the enemy sometimes? Well, we're going to have to go back to, it is written. This is what God has written. And he relied on God's word. David does the same thing. He's relying on God's word that God's not going to, you know, turn his back on him. David does as well, promises of God's word. He takes faith and faith alone, you know, is what it takes to prevail sometimes. Takes faith and faith alone. What is faith? You know, faith isn't saying, okay, well, if you go out there and you do this, and here's the plan, and this is how it's going to work out. That's not faith. Faith is going out there and saying, man, I have no idea what's going to happen other than the fact that God's going to show up and he's going to prevail. And I'm going to do it because God's called me to do it. That's what faith is. Faith is being a little shaky because it takes a little bit of courage to go out there and do it. But it's saying, hey, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to admit that I'm a little... uh, yeah, it's not me. I can't do it in my own flesh. But I'm going to go out, and I can't see. But, you know, the cool thing is David knows. David can see. So David has faith in God because God is all-powerful and keeps his promise. And as a Christian, we need to say, I know I can't do it, or I can't do that, and it's not a matter of me doing it. It's a matter of the Lord doing it. When we put it in the matter of the Lord doing it, then it's going to happen. But when it's me, probably won't happen. If it was me, and it was all me, I'd be like, well, you know what, 40 days, man, this guy's been coming out, it ain't going to hurt for 41, I'm going to take a nap, and hopefully he'll go away. I need rest. And so because of the experiential relationship David has with the Lord, and there's no way out, and so some of us will find a way out, right? Some of us will look for a way out. If you're taking note, number one, we tend to retreat. That's our ways out. 
We retreat. We get scared. We're like, oh, no, 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 no. That's not for me. I don't think that God, God's really calling me that way. Let me call a couple of people that I know that aren't Christians and ask them what they think about this. And those guys would be like, dude, that's crazy. Nobody can do that. And that's where you as a Christian need to be like, you're right. Nobody can. But oh, God can. God can do it. And so we retreat. God's called you into something, and you do it for a little while, and the enemy shows up. You can't handle it, or you lose a battle. And all of a sudden, well, you retreat. Fleeing that temptation or that lust is good. But you know what? Are you ever going to get to the point where you're going to conquer it? We as Christians tend to talk about how we flee temptation and we flee this lust and we flee this and we flee that. And so many Christians are running in every direction and the people on the outside are like, what do you got? You guys are like chickens with cut off heads. You're running everywhere. Can you conquer anything? No, I can't conquer it because I'm too afraid. I don't have enough faith to know that God's promised me to be victorious. And yet we run away. Yeah, there's a good time to run. There's a good time to run from it, but there comes a point in a time where you need to stop, you need to turn around, you need to conquer that thing. And sometimes you might need to take an army with you, a couple of buddies, a couple of guys. Number two, some of us just rest or relax and pretend it isn't there. Oh, it's not there. It's not a big deal. If I just don't think about it, I'm thinking about it by not thinking about it. But it's there. I'm just going to pretend it's not there. And so we try to make ourselves crazy. Number three, then there's those of us who revel. They're not looking for victory, but we're constantly just talking about it. When you want to talk to them about how they're battling the sin, they're constantly telling you, uh, you know, they, they, they move subjects real quick. Or they say how the devil's trying to convince them that this is happening. Oh, you know, the devil, man, he was really working on me hard today. And we hear more about the devil than God. And so it's all this, or they bury themselves in a lot of teaching, trying to not think about this thing. Uh, I'll just listen to teaching after teaching and, and not try to conquer it, and yet still struggle with it constantly. And, but I'll just bury myself in more teaching and, and more of this. And, and not that teaching and Bible studies are bad, but when we can't get out there and face that thing and face that giant and conquer it, uh, then we're just using it as a mask. It's not helping. And so, you know, maybe you're not applying the word from those teachings. You hear about how to do it, and you're not doing application. Because at some point, as David does, we got to get out there and we got to fight the enemy. Because according to, if if it's true that don't touch it, don't get near it, don't play with it, then yeah, we should stand up and just watch Goliath yell and taunt and be stuck and not move forward. And I think that's where the church is today, is the reason the church can't move forward, won't move forward, is because, well, we're afraid. We're still running, or we're trying to ignore it, or we're trying to hide from it. And so we're not applying the word, we're just avoiding the giant. So Saul and his army, they were a people in a covenant relationship with God, but actually in the bondage of the sin of their fear before Goliath and and all that he stood for. So these guys are standing there, and they're in a covenant relationship with their God, with a, the, the one and only God, and they're actually in sin because they're afraid to go down and attack this thing and take it head on. See, David recognizes and remembers, recognize who he serves and remembers when God gave him the victory. You see, we, we need to recognize who we serve and remember when God gave us victories. And you might think, well, that one wasn't that big. It may not be. It may not be that big, but he gave you victory over that one when it was gigantic in front of your face. And now you got another one that's gigantic in front of your face. And you know what? It might be time to take on that. 
Some of us might be thinking, well, man, I'm not even at the Goliath stage. But you know what? Tomorrow you might have your bear or lion happen to you. And when you have that, conquer that thing. Go after it. Grab it by its beard. And then you'll have your Goliath. Well, I don't want a Goliath. Nobody does, but we get them. They're there. Their enemies are there. Look at verse 38. So Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put a bronze helmet on him, on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor, and he tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I can't walk in these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. And so what's happening here? As sincere as Saul wants to protect David. I mean, Saul's trying to be very sincere, going, look, you're a little dude. He's probably not going to win. But, you know, if at least you walk out there looking like a warrior, we won't look as foolish to these dudes as we're going to look out there by just sending you out, a little boy. And so he puts all this stuff on him. Saul wants to protect David. David, you're young. I like your zeal. But you're very vulnerable. Very vulnerable without this stuff. And sometimes that's how we are as Christians. We, somebody had come to us for advice, and we're like, hey, man, that's cool that you're like that, but let me tell you, here's what you need to do. And we tell them how it works for us and how they need to do it and how, how they need to do it the way we did it. That doesn't always work all the time for a lot of people. So Saul tries to dress David up so he can be as much like Goliath as he could. Isn't that what Christians do? We tend to dress ourselves up so we can be as much like the world as we can. So they're like, hey, man, I like you guys. You, you're cool. I had somebody tell me the other day, man, I love my church. I was like, what do you love about it? Dude, we don't even break out the Bible. And I was like, seriously? Yeah, no, man, we might once a month. We talk about stuff in the Bible. It's a good lesson. I'm like, really, you don't break out the Bible? No. Some of us might be thinking, well, bro, what's wrong with that? Everything's wrong with that. That'd be like saying, hey, you know, I I don't know how to repair your car, but I got all these tools. And um, yeah, let's not worry about the owner's manual. We'll just figure it out as we go along. How many of you let me under your car hood? Or what if a doctor did that? Bro, I went to medical school. school. <laughs> we didn't use medical books. We just kind of opened up a dude and said, yeah, I don't know what that thing is, but it looks like it's broken. We threw it away. How many people died? A lot. But you know what? We fixed one. What, what was wrong with him? He had a splinter. And we didn't even use tweezers. We just pulled it right out of his finger. That was good enough. Put a band-aid on him, sent him on his way. Didn't get infected. He didn't die. I thought, really? But yeah, we, we think it's okay with the Bible. When it has to do with our eternal lives, our souls. Yet, we're not going to break it out because, man, I don't want to look weird. I don't want to look weird. And so sometimes that's what happens. So at least David will look like a warrior. At least that church of people, they look like Christians. They may get some respect from other people. Like, oh, yeah, I went to church. Cool, man, that's awesome. My whole neighborhood goes to church. My whole block, the lady next door goes to church. Everybody goes to church. But they're not going to heaven if they don't know the truth. You may be familiar with David's story in the book of 1 Samuel, but did you know he was just one of many important characters from the verses of this Old Testament book? Many people's lives are intertwined to bring about God's plan, even some who weren't following their Creator. God used each person to pave the way for David to ascend the throne and ultimately to bring about salvation for the entire world through his line. Today, you may be a David in your own world. God may be calling you to huge things that will take you to potentially dangerous but ultimately wonderful places. On the other hand, you might be someone God is using to prepare the way for another or to support them in their role. 
This doesn't in any way diminish your importance. Wherever you are in life, you can be demonstrating God to the world. If you'd like us to pray for you as you seek God's will for your life, please give us a call. We can be reached at 281-391-5503. That number again is 281-391-5503. If you'd like to hear today's message again or listen to other editions of Come Alive, we'd like to encourage you to subscribe to our podcast. Find us on your smartphone app store or subscribe on iTunes. You'll receive up-to-date teachings as soon as we make them available. That's all we have time for today. Join us next time to continue studying through 1 Samuel right here on Come Alive.